You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I hope wherever you are in the world and whatever you're doing, you're doing pretty bloody well. The guest that you're about to hear from is the guitarist in a band called The Sword. His name is Kyle Shutt. The reason for the discussion was to promote the new album from The Sword called Used Future. Let's cut to the chat with Kyle. Hey, Kyle. Andrew Mackay-Smith calling. How are you? What's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing fine. Mate, plugging away. Whereabouts are you guys at the moment on tour, or are you back at home? No, no, we're we're getting ready. Uh, the album doesn't come out until March 23rd, so uh, yeah, yeah, we're just uh, I'm sitting around twiddling my thumbs oh, until good. the first show. I'm okay. so ready. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. How long has it been between tour cycles for you guys? A couple of months? It's getting longer and longer. We have sort of children and, and houses in the mix now and things, so yes. the home is a little bit more demanding than it used to be. Uh, we used to spend like nine months out of the year on the road, but uh, just not as realistic these days, but um, we try to make it out as much as we can. You know, and uh, it's, it, it seems like taking six months off here and there is a lot more, uh, you know, prevalent than it used to be. But um, but when we do work, it's we, we hit the road pretty hard. So I'm really excited about that. Oh, no, good on you, mate. So tell us about the new album, Use Future. Yeah, it's a bit, bit different than what we've done in the past. We just we keep moving forward. You know, we keep trying to just put one leg in front of the other and uh, make the records that we want to hear. Uh, and, uh, this, we all, we, we've, I think we've been reaching for like a certain level of, of, uh, I don't know, like a, a collage of sounds that, um, that I really think we've finally hit with this one. Uh, we got a producer, uh, his name's Tuka Martin, um, that he, uh, he's done, uh, he did the last My Morning Jacket record, uh, Waterfalls, okay. and we just thought that yeah. one was so colorful, uh, musically. And, uh, we just wanted to see what kind of sounds we could make in that guy's toy box. And uh, he's got some pretty awesome gear. So we, we definitely did some things that we'd never done before and uh, let him sort of dip his finger in the arrangement of the songs a little bit more, you know, than we had let people mm. do in the past. So it really was an uh, all-around different experience for us. Okay. So you are six albums into your career. So where do you think this album fits into the Swords canon of work? Is it something approaching the defining sound of the band or do you think it's more of an evolution of what used to be the defining sound? Yeah, you know, I, it's funny. That's a good question that uh, that I don't have the answer to, but I do think about it a lot. Um, and uh, I, I I sort of do the thing where I'll, now that we have so many albums out, I can sort of put our catalog up against any other band, really, you know, and just look at the yeah. progression of each band, you know, like six albums. If you look at Rush, you know, like if by this time they would have been just right around hemispheres. So they still had a lot of stuff to do, you know what I mean, the, that was coming out of it. So I, I kind of like to think about it that way, where I think like that we're definitely you know, knee-deep in something that we absolutely know what we're doing, but we're craving the sort of the unknown. Because uh, when you're in a band for like 15 years, you know, you, a lot of the mystery is gone. <laughs> but uh, somewhere where some mystery still does exist is in that studio, and uh, you never know what's going to come out. So I think we're just uh, just... This album just is us using the studio as an instrument to its fullest. I think that's what you could say is, is probably the first example of that in our catalog. Yeah, yeah, it's often overlooked, isn't it? All of the the various options that you got available to you in the studio, which we, we yeah, yeah, like we we try to put the song first these days. You know, instead of like going in like a hundred percent ready to go with the song, we try to go in with a, a cool song idea and just see what yeah. happens. Yeah. You know, instead of just limiting yourself <clears throat> you guys always reminded me as a spiritual successor to candle mass and trouble is that something you've heard in the past 
<laughs> Thanks. Uh, you know, people do compare us to a lot of bands. Um, it just, I, I, I mean, that's a natural thing to do when you're trying to describe, you know, yeah. music to someone else and stuff. But um, you know, I, it's funny. Sometimes we'll, people will hit us with bands we just never listened to before and be like, "Wow, I've never heard them like before." But you mm-hmm. think that we sound exactly like them or something. <laughs> so that can be funny. But uh, I think we're a lot more like, you know, like Thin Lizzy and Rush and, and ZZ Top than uh, than people kind of. Yeah, no, I agree. A lot of people, yeah, agree, especially yeah. when we first started, you know, we were more of like a Metallica Sabbath mashup, you know, but we, we you know, we, I, I do think that especially with high country, uh, we finally had our own sound where if you could just hear any song, of, like a, a new song of ours, you'd start playing it and anybody would just go, Oh, that's the sort, hmm. you know? And, uh, it's not like we're just trying to sound like anyone else. We're trying to build the pond. Oh, definitely. All the greats that came before us. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing I've always liked about you guys is your album covers, because I'm a big Roger Dean fan. So, you know, yeah. the cover art to Warp Riders and maybe even, um, sorry, I might mispronounce the name of the album here, but is it Acrophon? Uh, Apocryphon, yeah. Apocryphon, yeah. sorry, gosh. Um, but is, no, is, no, it's a weird word. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean, actually? Uh, an, uh, an Apocryphon is... Um... Uh, it, it, the word itself can refer to it refers to like um, the books of the Bible that have been locked away by the Vatican that they don't want you to read, and uh, it, it sort of refers to any sort of uh, hidden knowledge mm. or or um, kind of cryptic uh, religious texts, things like that. Okay, sweet. But just back to the album cover art. So yeah, the inspiration behind uh, the the illustration, mate, because especially War Pride, is this one of my favorite album covers ever. Thanks, man. That was done by an Australian by the name of Dan McFarlane oh, out of Adelaide. Go. Okay. Right yeah, on. yeah. And uh, it, was, it was funny. I, I think it was for Warp Riders. It could have been Gods of the Earth, but I think it was for Warp Riders. We wanted uh, to see if Roger Dean could do it. And wow. um, so uh, our, our record label called up his offices and said, like, you know, somebody answers the phone. They go, hello. And they're like, yes, could we speak to Mr. Dean? <laughs> he goes, speaking. I was like, oh, shit. I didn't know you were just going to answer your phone. Yeah. I didn't know what to say. Uh, but he, yeah. he was busy. He, he regrettably had to turn the job down. But uh, that would have been cool. But Dan McFarlane killed it. I love that album cover. Yeah, sweet. Now, a bit of a different question for you. Um, yeah. I do host a show called Scars of Guitar, so I do like to talk to the musicians about gear and about the way you approach uh-huh. writing. So I did enjoy your appearance on Premier Guitars' Rig Rundown, the video that's posted on YouTube. Now, you're one of those blokes that comes across to me as if you really know your shit um so how long did it take for you to arrive at the current combination of amps and guitars that you're recording and touring with at the moment uh it took a long time it's sort of a never evolving process like I, I i try to take whatever gear i have and then do all i can with it and then i get bored and i try to look for something else and uh and keep moving along but then it becomes this battle of trying like having to have as many things to be able to do all the things that you do in a concise pedal board because i just i can't be one of those guys you know it's like the 37 pedal chain and everything i just you know i I limit myself to like nine i don't like to have any more than that and that's including like a noise suppressor that i took that out of the chain and and, uh but you gotta you know i have my tuner in there and a wah and overdrive and then i have to have a phaser and then a chorus Hmm. and delay and (laughs) it's just like (laughs) sort of becomes this thing but um uh, it took me a long time to find the kind of amps that i like um that that rig rundown is a little bit old um it's a little out of date Okay. But um, but I, I still do. I, I had the guy that 
built me that um, that one knob amp, the big crunch. Yeah, the yeah. Red I was going to ask you about um, that. I had him build me. Yeah, yeah. I had him build me a three channel version of it, so that it's I have volume tone gain, and then it's just uh-huh. like a two channel, like like a twin channel uh, head. So it's got six knobs instead of the one, but it's one, yeah. basically the same amp. Um, just it's a little more versatile. I love that one knob though. I'm never getting rid of that thing. It's it's like a it's like dialing a washing machine. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> when you turn it up. It's like uh, the first time I got it, I, I turned it all the way up, like at the beginning of Back to the Future. And uh, man, that thing could really move some air, let me tell you. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that guy, Big Crunch uh, Amp Repair, uh, they're out of uh, Baltimore. He, he'll just custom build me whatever I want. Um, he's a great dude. His name's Brooks. Uh, him and his lady, Shauna, they, uh, they're a real awesome couple that we met uh, when we were doing Apocryphon. Uh, they ran the amp and guitar repair shop that was in the front of the studio that we were recording at. So we got yeah. to be real close. Now, I don't know whether you've read some of the comments under that video. I didn't realize it was that old, actually. But a lot I of the... try not to read comments, but oh, uh, hit, me, hit yeah. me with a few. What do you got? Well, <laughs> they weren't about you, funnily enough, actually. Actually, they were very complimentary toward you, so take that on board. But apparently oh, good. They were saying... Now, I didn't notice it too much through because I was mainly just focusing in the preparation for the, our discussion here, just picking up some information about uh-huh. what you were saying. But sure. a lot of the people that were commenting were saying that the host of that rig rundown video looked like he was a tweaker or something. And then I went back and watched it. I thought, oh, yeah, was he on something? Or did you pick up on any sort of weird vibe from him when you were being interviewed? He he could have been. I don't know. I, I I didn't get him high. I don't know. They just showed up with some cameras. I, you know, it didn't strike me as he didn't strike me as jumpy at the time. That's really funny though, how the internet can just capture a moment in time and just uh, people's totally perception of it can it. be warped over the years. Yeah. Yeah, it totally done it because I was watching the video and I wasn't paying attention to him. I was just listening to you. But then I thought I better sometimes I get out and read the comments and <laughs> reading them and they are to the effect of what the hell is this guy on? Can he just let Kyle and your your other guitarists just talk because he was interrupting quite a bit and I thought Oh, 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 this isn't the rig rundown though. This is a different one, right? No, this is the rig Is this rundown the one with this this is, oh, yeah, okay. Premier, okay, never Premier mind. I'm sorry. I, I did another interview, though, with this guy that that just, yeah, he is a motor mouse. He, you just couldn't shut him up. I, I couldn't get one word in edgewise. It was hilarious. I mean, I, I just started, I sat back after a while and just let it happen <laughs> just because it was entertaining, you know? Yeah. It was good. Becomes, <laughs> I, look, I've done, I don't know how many interviews I've done now, but it's well over 200. And I've, this is only the second or third time I've had a discussion about you know what we're doing right now you as an artist being interviewed but do you find that they you've done so many of them obviously and you know you seem to be very media savvy so do you find that there's a percentage of them where you do just do that where you just sit back and the person's either inexperienced or doesn't know your music or isn't familiar enough with interviewing musicians to just go I'm going to wait and see how this one unfolds this one's going to be really funny you know what, man? I'm really glad you brought this up because there is, I, I don't think people realize it at first, but there is an art to giving an interview. And I will say you're very good at it, uh, but it's, a, it's, it's like a back and it should be a back and forth like conversation. I, I feel like that's when you really get to the root of something, you know, and if someone's either inexperienced or they just don't have what it takes to, to get a good interview out of somebody. Um, it, it can be painful, you know, especially when, when you're in the middle of it. And, uh, at, you know, earlier in our career, we would, honestly didn't know what to do because i wasn't used to giving interviews really hmm. and and uh so you just kind of you're both just sitting there not knowing what to do and uh but after a while you can once you've done you know i don't know a thousand interviews you can yeah. sort of steer somebody through it that doesn't really that may not know what they're uh-huh. doing totally or um if you get to the point 
where it's just really bad. I, I've, I can, it's a little bit mean, maybe, I don't know, but I'll just turn the interview <laughs> around and I'll start asking them questions <laughs> and in hopes that it'll get back to their editor and maybe their editor will send somebody like, I don't know, next time that oh, someone a bit different should be doing it instead of shouldn't be. I don't know. Maybe that's mean. I don't know, but no, that's a nah, very good point because it's, 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 uh, it's not easy to get a good interview out of somebody. Everybody's different. You know what I mean? You have to be able to stay on your toes because you never know who you're really talking to. I mean, sure, they're in the band and stuff, but yeah, everybody's different. So it's, it's yeah. a lot harder than people think. Nah, great response, mate. So, look, I want to. I've already mentioned Trouble and Candlemas. Okay, so that was my take on it. But, mate, who inspired you to play guitar? Because I know you mentioned Metallica and Sabbath. Yeah, just to just to pick up the guitar. You mean? Yeah, like yeah, just the, yeah. Back in the my, day, yeah. You know, um, the first couple rock bands I ever heard growing up, I was born in 83. So uh, I, my dad was real into like, uh, he was real into Ozzy. I, I, I got Excellent. into Ozzy a lot uh, uh, a lot sooner before I got into Sabbath, um, ironically. Uh, and uh, also with ACDC, like he was real into Back in Black. And he, he had like uh, cassettes in his truck that I would play, you know, like uh, he had the first Skid Row record and uh, stuff. So that was kind of like what, my idea of rock and roll was, you know, when I was growing up and, um, then whatever, I guess, I guess I was about 10 years old, maybe in like 93, uh, I found MTV on the, on the dial, you know, back mm-hmm. when, uh, back when TVs had dials, I guess, but um, <laughs> uh, I don't know how, how big of a presence it was in Australia, but in the nineties, MTV just owned the airwaves in the States. And if you were one of the cool kids you were into the shit that was on MTV and I was super into it. Green Day and Nirvana and just anything that came on that fucking mm. channel. I was all about it. I don't care if it was Boys to Men. I don't care. Was, I was into everything, <laughs> any kind of like rad music. Um, yep. It wasn't until I was in like high school that I found out about, you know, underground music. Like, you know what? I would buy all those band CDs, like buy, buy a ranted CD, and they would thank, you know, every band on Epitaph Records. So I would yeah. just I'd be like, what the hell is Epitaph Records? I would go like into the mail order catalog and like order every you know just order some pennywise some, you know black wagon no effects just yeah, you know, cool. that, that was kind of my musical education down that path and everything and uh and that's sort of when i moved to austin in, in 2000 um that, that was my musical like knowledge you know what i mean i was like the you know rock stars are fucking nickelback and shit i don't want to be one of those you know what i mean i, I want to be in a band and especially when you you move to a city like austin there's there's shows every night of the week yeah. of like club level bands just playing for like a hundred people or less, you know? And uh, you really get a sense of like, you can do this. You can like get in a van and go play shows in every fucking city. And it doesn't matter that you're the MTV doesn't play videos anymore or whatever, you know? And that's, that really is where the sword started from. But ironically, we ended up on MTV and on tour with Metallica <laughs> and all these things, yes, it but did, it, yeah. it really didn't start there. You know, we, we didn't set out to with like a, a clear, plan of like we're gonna get on the radio we're gonna do this blah blah blah. everything just happened you know we 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 did work very hard you know and, and we knew what we were doing to a certain extent but we, you cannot discount uh the the stroke of luck that sometimes you're blessed with you know and uh we were certainly very lucky well that's that's a really good point so here's my question for you then my final i'll make this my final question so how how have you managed to carve out a career for over what's been 15 years as you mentioned earlier because i hear so many great bands that release an album and then they seem to disappear so what do you think has kept the sword you know and when i say financially viable you know what i mean be able to tour and record and remain as a very stable band and so that you can release so many great albums yeah 
Yeah, I mean, you have to have a, a eagle eye on your business uh, accounting, and then you have to fight for every dollar. I mean, like, there's it's, it gets harder and harder every year. I mean, like, we've been a band for a long time, but it's it mm. it never gets any easier, you know. It's uh, everything every year gets a little bit more expensive, and you just have to constantly think of new ways to spend your merchandise to make it pay for itself and make yeah. you money. And uh, it's a, you have to be so much more of a a businessman than uh than a lot of people i think realize um, absolutely yeah uh, or somebody does anyway that's that happens to be one of my fortes but uh it's just uh you, the pie is getting smaller every year I, I tell people the music industry is like an iceberg that's melting and everybody's just fighting to stay on that little tiny part that's out of the water mm. and every and people are just dropping like flies and, and freezing to death in the water right now it's uh it's it's getting pretty crazy uh, you just have to think of new ways to make money yeah great actually i'll make this my final question will we see you guys down here sometime in the near future i hope so yeah i know we're in talks uh, about doing it right now um i guess ever since aj uh disappeared yeah um, you know i guess some some promoters are coming in to kind of pick up the pieces so we would love to make it back over there and do some clubs again Wicked. Well, congratulations on a wonderful career, mate. I'm sure the new album is going to be as killer as the rest of your stuff. Uh, so thank I you appreciate so much that, for man. Discussion. Thank you very yeah. much. Yes, sir, man. Thank you. Anytime. No I hope to see you out there soon. Absolutely, mate. No worries. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was my discussion with Kyle Shutt, the guitarist from a band, The Sword. Thank you so much for listening.